Welcome back to the Voices in Japan, everybody. No Matt this uh, this week. Sadly,、uh, yeah. Where's he gone? He's on some solo mission around Hokkaido. Hmm. A little bit of、uh, it's a little mysterious. Not sure exactly 100 percent what's going on, but just hope he makes it back. Yeah. Have you heard anything from him at all? I haven't. I don't know if he's gone yet, but we've kind of run into some rain this week, so、uh, I'm kind of curious to see how it's going. He might be back before he starts. Right? Yeah, because、uh, the weekend was scorching. Right? It was you know Saturday and Sunday, plus day degrees. Felt like real summer had finally arrived,、mm. and then、uh, and then Monday hits, and it's just like torrential downpour,、uh, and I think it's forecast the same. For most of the week, so looking at the the weather apps, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday might kind of ease up midweek or something, but yeah, pretty、uh, pretty shitty for the rest of the week, which is when Matt is apparently on his cycle ride, well, mo- motorcycle journey around Hokkaido. <laughs> It's gonna be a motorcycle journey in the rain in Hokkaido, <laughs> I guess. You might you、uh, might turn back. Yeah, well, as long as he's safe, I guess that's all we can hope for. Yeah, I remember he tried. He attempted this、uh, last. Might have been last year. Yeah, and I think he bailed because of the weather as well. So he got, you know, a couple of couple of days in, and it just started raining and it was miserable. So he turned back and, yeah, wanted to challenge it again. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not meant to be. Well, he hears his challenge. See what he does with the challenge this time. Yeah, let's hope he、uh, steams ahead. And get some cool pictures and stories and stuff, which I think is his intention. Yeah. Did you、uh, <clears throat> did you do anything big over the weekend?、Uh, went to beer garden again for、oh, the、really? second second weekend in a row. Nice.、Uh, got my revenge from the previous week. Did you go、so、chop、I'm... down that tree? <laughs> <laughs> I, I managed to survive until the the end of beer garden this time, which was、uh, which was which was quite nice. Uh, yeah, I went to Kidding、uh, this week、uh, or last week. There was、uh, got a good table on the outside. There was、uh, there was like eight, yeah, about eight of us that went.、Uh, started around five five thirty.、Uh, yeah, pretty much stayed to the end. So yeah, this whole kind of you know ninety limit two limit rumor that's been going on is、uh, is definitely not true. They don't even <laughs> attempt to. To give you a warning or try to kick you out or anything, so、uh, so yes, it does actually say when you walk into beer garden, there's a the time limit is written on on all the signs as well. But、uh, yeah. ignore that; they won't they won't even bother trying to kick you out. I think as long as they've got people buying beers, they're not going to really give anybody a hard time. But did you guys?、Uh, I mean, were you able to just get in and get seats right again, right away again, or did、yeah. did that take any time? I think the Our timing was pretty spot on. Like、uh, a couple of our friends went in about five,、um, and they they queued up for about five minutes.、Um, got two tables, so they they could book the tables there and then. And it's 
six, no, it was four people maximum per table. So eight chairs were available to us. And then I rocked up to meet those guys at like 5.30. But by the time I came, the queue was apparently a 60 minute wait. So they had mm. signs at the end, end of the queue for the time. Um, but we just skipped that whole queue because our friends put our names down. So then you say the names and then you can just like go straight in. So, oh, so yes, it's like I think, the names are like kept at the uh, entrance gate or what? Yeah, yeah. So uh, our friends like just gave them a bunch of names. Um, and then when I went in, uh, some more people come in. So I put their names down and then they joined later too. Huh. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty uh, tolerable system, not yeah. too frustrating and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think five o'clock is the golden time. So that that's probably the time you won't have to queue up. And then from around five thirty to six, that's when the the crowds start coming. Hmm. Did you um <clears throat> that didn't that uh, wasn't like on Friday night or anything, was it? Friday night. That was to... uh that was Saturday night. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it would you know peak peak time. So probably during the week. Um, you know, as Matt said, he went on a Sunday and it was like, like a ghost town. So I think if it's not a Friday or Saturday, you're probably going to be all right. I don't think there'll be much of a, a wait in the line. Yeah. We, uh, went to the Doshin fireworks down at Toyota river. Did you happen to go see that on Friday? Oh, or hear it? I was, I was working during that time. It was, uh, one of my final university classes. So yeah. And I finished at nine, so I finished, well, the the class was supposed to be scheduled to finish at nine, but I finished a bit early, and as I walked out, it was uh, the grand finale, and my university is quite close to the, the Toyohira uh, bridge, so yeah, I got to, got to see that, which was nice. Yeah, we uh, took uh, our daughters there for the first time, <clears throat> we were, I mean, they've seen fireworks a lot from a distance, but... This is going to be the first chance to see it up close. And I was surprised, man. There's like so many people out, a lot of women in Yukata and stuff. It was really festive atmosphere. I mean, obviously, they weren't trying to social distance or anything. Everyone, That's obviously out the door. Plus, it's outdoors. Shouldn't have to worry about it anyways. But um, still some people with masks and everything. Uh, I guess that helps. I don't know. But, um, yeah, as soon as the fireworks start going off, our older daughter just started screaming and bawling because of the noise. Oh, she didn't like it. Yeah, so the noise was just too much for her to handle. And, uh, yeah, so we're, like, in the middle of all these people, and she just starts uh, going off. So I had to, like, take her, like, uh, half a kilometer away to a convenience store or something while my wife stayed there with the other girl, and then we made our way back. But um, after she kind of got used to it a little bit, but... uh yeah, I mean, that was good to see everybody out and celebrating again and kind of trying to make the most of the summer experience and everything. So, did you get a that. did you get a nice uh, a nice seat, a nice view on the grass cuz usually it's kind of quite hard to to get a good view unless you get there early and pitch up your your, you know, picnic mat and cushions and stuff. Yeah, we didn't, which was probably part of the problem because uh, right as we were getting there, we were like still kind of in the streets and um, <clears throat> yeah, we we're trying to get close and so we we're kind of like rushing. So I think she kind of could feel the pressure of us rushing. And then like when the fireworks started going off, we were like basically in an alley, like getting <laughs> uh, once we had passed through the alley, like we would have been like basically at the river. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just like echoing the 
the huge uh, fireworks noises and everything too so it was like even more intense than normal you know the uh-huh. sounds and stuff so yeah yeah so it was just like a lead up to everything being bad for it but in the end she uh said that she enjoyed them once we got like a few kilometers away and uh yeah so it was good to see those and stuff and to get them out there but yeah it was like immediately she started like, screaming everyone around us was like looking to see if like somebody had gotten shot or something I don't know, but, yeah it was pretty yeah weird. and uh and i guess yeah like you were saying um you know a lot of a lot of people going out again beer garden was pretty busy it wasn't like rammed full but um but yeah just in the news was hearing that japan topped the global new covid cases in a week to sunday yeah I saw that. That. yeah yeah more than 969,000 new cases in one week um yeah. you know beating america america was second with 860,000 so it's kind of a first for japan i think so everyone's yeah. kind of like you know japan still uh, has some kind of restrictions um, especially for travelers coming into the country uh, you know you still have to wear masks not so much social distancing any anymore but um but yeah my, my wife was commenting about you know why why do they bother doing all these restrictions and stuff when they have like the highest cases in the world and then you compare that to our home countries america and england who aren't doing anything um, and they're they're just as not not as bad in terms of new infections so uh so what's the point basically yeah i mean i don't know i just uh as long as they don't like go shooting in the other direction with their policies and stuff then you know i applaud them for uh not panicking so to speak even though we've got the largest numbers yeah but, the uh, seventh sp- wave yeah mm. in the middle of it Speaking of news, though, I saw something that had a pretty catchy headline, and uh, kind of wondering if you think this is catchy a catchy headline as well. It was in the Japan Times. It said, "New estimates show earthquake and tsunamis could kill up to could kill up to one hundred and forty nine thousand in Hokkaido." Wow! And uh, there's a picture of a downtown area underwater. It's a graphic. And, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, this thing came out saying, and of course I was like, man, does that mean like Sapporo's about to get hit really hard? But, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you live, uh, this is actually talking about most of the damage to be happening in Eastern Hokkaido. Uh, let's see, kind of out near, which city did they mention here? Like Obihiro around that era or something. Uh, Maybe further, further. Yeah, I think it was like out in the. Uh, well, this graphic itself is for uh, Kushiro, so mm. yeah. But uh, yeah, so basically, uh, damage estimates released Thursday by the Hokkaido government show tsunamis could kill up to 149,000 people if a major earthquake hits off of Japan's northernmost main island, surpassing a central government prediction by around 12,000. So I guess they've kind of known this for a while, but. Yeah, that was a little bit uh, uh, worrying to see <laughs> then, something like that. And then throw in the uh, the earthquakes. Uh, sorry, not the earthquakes. The volcanoes that would go off, re- resulting from that. Uh, surprise. Well, I think you're not that surprised because we talked about it recently. How you know you you have a house at, at Lake Toya, which mm. is basically a, a volcano, right? So that's uh, and that went. Then then we'll say that that went off about. 10 or 15 years ago 
A little bit more in the year 2000, so about 22 years ago, but it's like goes off. But the time before that was in the late 70s, I think 1977, and then before that was like 1943. So it basically goes off, they're saying, like every 30 years or so. Right, so and, maybe uh, another, another 10 or so, and then it might go off again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, who knows what will happen, but maybe half the houses will be gone uh, from landslide or just the caldera swallows up everything again even mm. further. So. <laughs> Joys of living in Japan, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah living on the edge. Yeah. Yep. Keep, keeps things, keep life interesting, I guess, exciting. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Brings the house prices down, maybe, around the area. <laughs> Good buying opportunity, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I found some some other interesting stuff on the on the web about uh, trends that people might notice when they come to visit Japan. Hopefully, when uh, when borders have opened up completely for all the all the tourists, still not quite there yet, and we don't know if they're going to go back on kind of easing up on that now that numbers are getting higher. But yeah, there's an interesting list of uh, of trends in 2022 that you'll probably notice when visiting here so yeah i was kind of going through this list and seeing what ones that uh that i noticed um and uh yeah i wanted to discuss with you see if you noticed any of those as well i gotta say off the start a lot of these i have not noticed and it might just be be like an age thing or where i'm going type of thing but some of them i did notice so yeah. I was thinking the same thing, especially when it came to the the the, the music part. Um, I, I don't really follow music anymore, especially like Japanese. What's going on in in terms of Japanese pop music or what's popular in Japan? Um, but yeah, fashion as well. Uh, not so fully up to date with that. I know you're a bit more fashionable than I am, Burke, so <laughs> I thought you might have uh, some comments on those. It's funny you said that because uh, actually a couple of them that I was going to talk about are from fashion. Should I just go ahead and mention the first one? Go ahead. All right. Uh, well, this person, uh, they're going by the name of Kiyomi. Not sure if that's their real name or not, but... Uh, yeah, it says this person is a former Canadian pharmacist whose curiosity and courage has brought her to a new life in Japan. So this is a person who, I guess, recently moved to Japan. And she is saying, in fashion, some of the trends that she has noticed, well, one of them is short pants. She <laughs> says, one thing I've noticed, probably because I'm not too fond of this trend, is that lately I've often seen young men wearing pants that stop short above the ankle. I can understand this when it's summer and paired with some sandals or hidden ankle socks, but in these cases, it was a chilly season and the white socks were shown with intention. Whether it's casual jeans or suit pants, I've seen it. I've got to admit, I have not seen this uh, style that she's saying um, when it's a chilly season and people are showing off their socks. But the reason I bring this up is because uh, after we did that whole... Uh, uh, episode about I guess it was uh, effeminate men or like kind of uh, trends among effeminate yep. men yep. I, I was looking in my closet the next day and I was like man I might be more social cadence than uh, <laughs> I was ready to admit during the whole thing because I've got like a bunch of shirts that actually do have pink on them uh, I do have these short uh, dress pants that I wear during the summertime and stuff uh, but what I did not and I kind of uh, 
feel bad bringing this up when Matt's not here because I'm sure he would have a lot of comments and and uh, jibes to take of me and stuff. But uh, I kind of realized that the reason my closet looks the way it is and anything I've probably ever done for fashion was for a girl. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this girl particularly, I was dating a Japanese girl. I think I've talked about it before. And she told me that uh, she used to date a guy who had really poor fashion and then she kind of helped him improve his fashion. And the next thing uh, she knew, she, he was kind of like leaving her, moving on uh, to other girls because all of a sudden he was like much more popular with the girls. And I kind of like, oh, that makes sense. And so I kind of like started taking her advice about all these things. So, yeah, if you try to say it's because like I'm kind of more trendy or into fashion and stuff, none of this is by choice of my own. This is all just to either impress women or my wife at this point, or it's just the influence of women and stuff. Just like actually that article was kind of saying when we were talking about that, the women might actually be the ones who affect how men dress and stuff. Mm, but, yeah, yeah. They, they definitely seem to uh, to enjoy trying to make their better halves more fashionable. They, they seem to, you know, take it as like a, a project. Like uh, my, my wife... Um, She's been trying to do that since we've met, but she's failing miserably. But uh, yeah, I have you know friends that I've noticed since they've uh, got married that they've definitely got a lot more fashionable. Well, not 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 fashionable, but just you know wearing clothes that actually fit them and suit their age. You know, rather than just baggy t-shirts and baseball caps all the time, like how that's what I would wear if I could uh, if I could get away with it every day. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the other thing, I, I mean, I can't enjoy this too much myself now, but when you, uh, if you, like, uh, a good thing, there's a little uh, thing I used to do, is uh, with, like, girls that I was dating and stuff, uh, say, so, like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to go shopping sometime or whatever, and you end up going shopping together, and then, uh, yeah, she helps you out, but then, you know, you get to tag along with her, too, and you get to go into all these, like, women's fashion clothes, and, you know, when she's trying stuff on... The uh, store clerks, you know, they got to chat to this nice foreign boyfriend who's helping, you know, their girlfriend out and stuff, going shopping with her and everything. And so it's like it's a good experience all around. Like you get to uh, hang out with your girlfriend. She's happy because she's shopping. Uh, she's taking you to all these shops. That if you were to just go in by yourself, you'd probably get arrested. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's a good way to kind of get out and get in touch with a lot of Japanese girls that for is, any of the single guys out there. That is true, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a, definitely a good opportunity to go to those lingerie shops where, you know, if you're by yourself, you can only just kind of lurk outside, right? And just hope why has that, that why has that guy gone by like five times? Right? Yeah. He keeps walking by. But yeah, but when yeah, when you got a girlfriend or a wife, you have an excuse to just you know just touch bras and stuff. As long as they're uh, there, of course. I guess uh, you know if that's the direction you want to go. Ah, that's not exactly what I was saying, but right. kind of something similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, how about? Well, yeah, going back to this. Uh, yeah, the going back to pants. the short pants. So, so when I when I kind of read that title, um, short pants. Um, after you said, yeah, the person was Canadian, it kind of made more sense now because I was thinking as in a uh, shorts rather than trousers. So she so she actually meant short trousers, right? Whereas uh -huh. when I read that, I was thinking short shorts. Hmm. So kind of like speedos or something. And then after where after listening or sorry after reading the rest of it, 
then realize what she talked about. But yeah, apparently these things, the, the short pants, they have a name for them because I see them every time I go to uh, GU and Uniqlo, which is the only place I go shopping now. And they seem to set all the fashion trends in that place. Well, I don't know if they set them, but they make them more popular or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're called chef's pants. Chef's? Pants. Chef, chefs? Chefs? Yeah, chefs, as in like cooking cooking R chefs. Really? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea why they're called chef's pants, but they're usually like kind of, you know, up to the ankle and they're a little bit baggy, like kind of thick or wide. Um, I think they look ridiculous and I I would never buy them, but I've seen a lot of yeah young people wear them. Like a lot of my students wear those uh, with the with the white socks and and sandals. Um, yeah, so chef's Wait, pants. But these are just like uh, um, so these aren't like tapered, right? They're just kind of like straight down, same size from like hip area down to ankle. yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. they're they're very wide, so they're wide from the top all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's not what I wear. I mean, mine <laughs> might be a little bit actually more effeminate or something, but mine are kind of tapered. Oh, so stuff. yours are like half masts. Mine are like women's pants, <laughs> uh, to be quite honest. But I bought them at United Arrows in the men's section off the advice of my wife. Uh, they're really, well, the ones that I have are just like uh, really thin material, for, so they're extra good for the summer because they're kind of, and I just wear them with like, yeah, ankle socks and like some kind Actually, of Actually, one of our one of mm. our f mutual friends kind of wears those colored starter trousers. All right, John, who's been on the podcast before, mm. I, I've seen him wear uh, trousers like that to to work. Um, yeah, and he has his like his ankles showing with a bit of skin, and he wears like the mini kind of ankle socks with shoes. Looks looks all right. Looks quite trendy. Yeah. Um, I I just always thought. I don't know. Maybe his trousers shrunk in the wash or something, and he didn't didn't, didn't notice. <laughs> or he's a tall. He, to wear. Yeah, he's a tall guy. Maybe he's just having trouble shopping in Japan, <laughs> yeah. finding a size or something. One more on this fashion thing that I did look at were the pajama suits. Just I was like, what the heck are pajama suits? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is a widespread affordable chain store in Japan called Aoki. Everybody in Japan knows Aoki because it's a big chain suit store. They started the trend when people needed comfortable clothes to wear during work Zoom calls. Many jobs in Japan require people to wear suits, so it's no surprise that these pajama suits, also known as telework or ouchi suits, ouchi means home, uh, became popular. They allow one to be comfortable in their clothes at home while also appearing professional and ready to work. But I got to be honest, I uh, kind of looked at these uh, to see exactly what they are, and they just kind of look like business casual in any other country. So, basically, uh -huh. Japan is calling business casual your pajama wear, you know. <laughs> All right. Huh. So, yeah. these pajama suits are just, like, thinner thinner suits, lighter? Yeah, like, they don't, you know, they're not very formal looking. They're not uh, really tight around the shoulders and the waist and everything, just kind of more open. Um, you know, it's kind of like what you would see, I mean, I don't know if you know who Tom Brady is, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, like he started, just started a fashion line. Uh, I don't buy anything from there or anything, but for some reason it keeps showing up in my uh, in my uh, Instagram feed. And uh, 
but yeah, it's just kind of like his type of like, I mean, he, it's not like he doesn't uh, have like business clothes, I don't think, but a lot of his stuff is like casual, comfortable wear. And that's just, that's what this looks like. It just looks like uh, kind of like those uh, tapered pants we were just talking about, uh, plus like just kind of like a t-shirt, white t-shirt underneath. And then the jacket, the suit jacket is just kind of like what you would consider just like a casual jacket in any other country. Yeah, just kind of loose and fitting. Yeah, I think I've seen something quite similar in uh, in Uniqlo and GU. Actually, they have a section, but they don't. I don't think they call them pajama suits. Hmm. uh, I think they have a different kind of brand name that they've made up for themselves. Um, But yeah, like similar style. They have uh, like the trousers. They have an elastic around the waist. Yeah. So you don't need a belt, so it's a bit more kind of loose fitting, um, especially in the summertime. So I think, yeah, I think for them, they're yeah, like you said, a uh, cool biz, uh, make, making it more comfortable for for the hotter temperatures, especially like down in down in Tokyo, right? They need kind of lighter suits, especially in yeah. the summertime. Yeah. And this has like images of people. Uh, the Aoki uh, advertisement has like an image of a guy like laying on his couch in his suit doing his. Uh, working on his laptop and stuff right next to him. So, yeah, I guess in their eyes that means it's a pajama suit. But, yeah, just be, like, really comfortable business casual in any other country, I would think. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I wanted to kind of move on and talk about uh, the food that you might notice when you come to Japan. And I remember we spoke about this before, Burke, but how, uh, how I started to or me and my my wife started to eat a lot more oatmeal a couple of years back um mm. so my wife is kind of doubling down on that recently she's making like oatmeal uh pound cakes now and she's uh she's trying to be healthier so she's bought like this oatmeal powder and she's basically putting no no additives no flavorings or artificial additives and flavorings. So she's put in like all natural things. So basically water, oatmeal, and maybe some some fruit, maybe like some blueberries or something. Um, And they're really good. And, you know, they taste really healthy because they are. Um, And she's making like almost every other day, she'll make like a couple of pound cakes and just slice them up, chuck them in the fridge. And it's a good kind of snack. She calls it, so she says it's her breakfast, but it's, you know, it's basically just like a snack that you can kind of take whenever you want to. But yeah, mm. very delicious. So my, my wife is very into the oatmeal. Why uh, why did she get into the oatmeal again? Did you uh, turn her on to that or was there yeah, something else? Yeah, yeah, because I, I, like when we kind of met, I was always eating, um, what is it, the, the Quaker oats that you can buy in Costco. So you can buy mm. like a five kilogram box of uh quaker oats and i used to eat that for breakfast like every morning just because it was you know easy cheap healthy um and then she kind of saw me eating that um and realized how healthy it was but she didn't actually like the flavor because there isn't much to it Mm. really Mm. you know when you're eating just like oatmeal and water there's you basically she you know (laughs) We have a name. We 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 call, we call it dog shit because it you know it's like kind of real stodgy as well and doesn't look very appetizing. Uh, but yeah, so she started to eat that, but was putting you know sugar in it and cinnamon to make it taste better. But it was kind of like defeating the whole purpose of why you eat oatmeal. And then recently, 
yeah, she just started to become more health conscious. I don't know why. I mean, she's always been quite healthy anyway, but she's really trying to step it up even more now. So even trying to like cut down on alcohol during the week too, which is mm. quite surprising. Must be getting older. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, want to live longer. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because this whole oatmeal thing, you know, my mom's Japanese. When I was a kid, we used to have <clears throat> this breakfast meal, and she would just call it mugi, mugi, which is barley in Japanese. But I didn't know that, but it was just called mugi. But it was just like, um, yeah, it was like ground-up oatmeal, but texture was different. And it was just like a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, milk, but the oatmeal itself was, or the mugi itself was really warm. And there was just like tons of salt some reason and uh but yeah she was kind of saying they kind of grew up eating that so it was kind of like a type of oatmeal but it definitely was not oatmeal um so yeah i porridge. guess some, people were eating. some kind of porridge i guess so yeah mm. but but uh i was kind of surprised because you said your wife wasn't interested at first in it because it wasn't there wasn't really any flavor but it sounded like what she was making was pretty plain flavored itself except for the fruit she was adding to it or something yeah yeah so okay. she wanted to add fruit just to give it flavor otherwise she didn't she didn't enjoy it you know she's quite she's quite a foodie she likes to you know she always told me like the best thing for her like her favorite thing is eating good food so when she eats something that doesn't taste of anything she you know it upsets her quite a lot which is a kind of quite the opposite of me i don't i'm not really too bothered about um flavors <laughs> i think i just my, my wheat buds are almost non-existent that i can't really tell if uh something tastes bad or not or good even <laughs> just sustenance yeah uh one that i did notice on uh this uh list that i will definitely say and agree that it is a recent trend is the canned sweets have you seen these Canned sweets. Yeah, I saw yeah. this list, but I don't think I've seen them around. Um, I haven't really. This... Yeah, where would you see those? Well, that's the thing. I haven't, to be honest, seen or looked for them like in the supermarket and stuff, but I have seen them on the news a lot. So I think everybody's been taking notice. Like, you know, sometimes in the morning we've got the news on at home and they'll always have these segments about something new or some kind of food so they can everybody on TV try the food and go crazy over it and stuff. But yeah, this is canned sweets. This is a trend, or this trend is yet another one that came about because of the pandemic. She says, uh, Patisserie had the idea to sell her cakes and parfaits 24-7 using a vending machine. In clear can-shaped containers with a peel-off aluminum can top, they, caref they carefully layered fruits, cakes, and creams. Yeah, so when you see these, it basically just looks like a jar, but I guess it's a can, and it just has all this, like, uh, yeah, just like it says, it's kind of layered cake inside with like, you know, different layers of fruit and everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess they're taking off and uh, doing quite well. So like, a, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the picture. So it's like, like cakes in a can? Or Basically, yeah. How, yeah. How, how do you get them out? Well, these, these are, uh, oh, you, well, you peel off the top. Oh, so the, it's like, it's not like a... You know, like a soda can, and there's like a little tiny hole where you got to suck everything out. No, fortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a uh, lung exercise or anything. 
Yeah, it says it's a peel-off aluminum can top. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. And again, I haven't tried them myself, but I, I, I have seen these unused, and I remember noticing them. And mm. I was kind of like, how does this work, you know? Why yeah, is this yeah. a can? But, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's the gimmick of it that's made it quite popular. Can sweet. So I'll keep an eye out. I want to give it a go and, and yeah, see what see what the fuss is about. Uh, mm. One one thing that I've actually seen quite a bit of um, is the truffle flavored everything. Yes, I was going to say that too. Right. So yeah. so apparently a lot of restaurants are using truffle and truffle oil to season their dishes, and apparently you can find in pastas, steaks, hamburgers accents for sushi not sure about that one haven't seen that around um donburi in ramen om rice sandwiches but yeah the one i've noticed um a lot which is because it's my favorite snack is uh yeah crisps noticed truffle flavored crisps but i don't really know what truffle tastes like because it's always you know considered a very kind of upper class uh dish or meal or something so i've never really tried it um so i'm a bit kind of uh nervous about trying some truffle truffle flavored crisps well so yeah i wonder if you've ever tried anything truffle flavored berg it's funny you bring this up and it's funny you ask because i was at a barbecue over the weekend and uh there were obviously a bunch of different bags of chips around and everyone kept passing around this the chips that were just supposed to be plain chips and they're like do these taste okay like is something wrong with these chips and uh yeah finally we looked at the the bag that they came out of and yeah there were truffle flavored potato chips and uh so basically truffle flavored potato chips basically taste like regular flavor but kind of gone stale a little bit <laughs> or like something's a little bit off i mean to be honest i don't know i haven't had a lot of truffles in my life i'll admit uh, so I'm not too familiar with what truffles taste like either. And maybe if I was, uh, I might have been able to enjoy these potato chips a little bit more. But yeah, everybody who was eating them was like, man, this is kind of some weird tasting regular potato chips. So would, you, out, yeah. so would you say they, you know, from that barbecue, uh, people were generally not a fan of them as they kept passing them around? Well, it's kind of like potato chips and drinking, like, People are going to make it to the bottom of the bowl no matter what of the potato <laughs> chips. So they weren't like bad enough that everybody stopped eating them. But yeah, everybody was commenting on the flavor. Oh, that's cool. So it's a, a good conversation topic. Do you recommend <laughs> them? Do you recommend them, Burke? Do you think uh, I should go um, out and buy a pack? I definitely think you should go out and buy a pack uh, just so you can test them because, yeah, I would not be able to recommend them for somebody who's trying to enjoy their potato chips. <laughs> no, It's kind of weird why it's become such a, a popular thing to have truffle-flavored you know, foods when it seems like not many people are a fan of it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like that thing. Maybe everybody feels like they're a little bit more high, high class because they're you know, food is uh, truffle flavored or something. Mm. I don't know. There's a really good uh, Nicolas Cage film um, that came out. I think it was last year, actually, last year or the year before. He makes a lot of movies. But, uh, yeah, called Pig. And it's about uh. Uh, his pig that, you know, looks for truffles. He's, uh, uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I, I recommend you should watch it. Basically, his pig, his pig gets kidnapped. And then it's Nicolas Cage going on a rampage trying to get his pig back. 
So it's, sounds a, it's a revenge movie, basically. Yeah, I've yeah. heard somebody, I was just reading some article recently, actually, somebody was saying that was one of his best movies they yeah. thought. Uh, yeah, I've I've never seen it, so I don't I can't say that for myself. But it's definitely one that one of the it. better ones that he's made in the last kind of few years. I mean, he's he's you know bringing out at least like five, doing like five or six movies a year, um, and they're all hit or miss, but they're all definitely worth watching because he's great in all of them. Like he's <laughs> such a good actor. Usually it's the the script or the actual storyline that lets the movie down. That he's always good, so that's why I'm a, I'm a big fan of of Nick Cage. Uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of mention because I've seen this a lot. I wouldn't say it's a new trend, but I would say it's something that's probably unique to Japan or a country like Japan. But these are these uh, self serve shops or mujin hambai. Um, in another attempt to attract customers during the pandemic, many Mujin Humbai or staffless stores were opened. So basically it means there's no staff at the stores. These decrease the likelihood of having contact with anyone else, and they are often open 24-7. In the past year, 40 Mujin Humbai shops were opened in, the Aichi in Aichi Prefecture alone. The most common type of shop specializes in gyoza, which is dumplings, but there are also shops that sell meat, uh, frozen ramen, canned sweets, vegetables, etc. So, uh, yeah, basically there's no store clerks in, and uh, it's basically the uh, trust system, and uh, you just pay for something, and then uh, you put your money down. They usually have prices that are nice round numbers, uh, so you can just put a few coins down or whatever. And in some uh, shops, they're saying that there's a locker system, so you won't actually be able to get your product until you pay for it. But, like, uh, in agriculture in Japan and maybe other countries, too, these are pretty popular. They're, like, uh, there's actually one in Toya um, where you, like, can go and buy all this fruit or uh, different types of vegetables. And there's no one there. You just put your uh, money, like, 300 to 500 yen or whatever in oh, the basket. Wow. Yeah, and you just take, uh, you know, whatever is out there that you're buying and stuff. And, and a lot of uh, farms and stuff, you know, uh, around in Hokkaido and drive to the countryside you can see this on the side of the road uh, different farmers will kind of pull together and have these I don't think they really make too much money but it's just more of a hobby uh, but yeah they'll put a lot of produce out and uh, there's just a box that you put your money in and then you take whatever you paid for so, so are all the the produce there is it usually like rounded off prices like 100 yen 200 yen um, yeah and yeah so there's nothing like you know 298 or something like that yeah, so you don't need to, like, try and get change back. Um, yeah, they try to make all the numbers nice around, like, uh, the one that we were at in Toya over the weekend had, like, you know, really nice cherries and uh, different oh, types nice. of fruits. Yeah, and they were, like, in baskets, and each basket was, like, you know, anywhere between, like, 300 to 600 yen or something. Yeah, yeah, I like that whole idea of a, an honor system, and and it, obviously it works very well in Japan because people are very honest here when it comes to, you know, buying and paying for things, queuing up, you know, waiting your turn. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I reckon if they try to kind of implement that in our home countries, it could could work in some areas, um, I can see. Uh, I think in, in England, it could work in, in the countryside and stuff like that, like saying when there's farms around um, and people know each other, you know, rather than like big major cities, that might be a bit more difficult. Yeah. 
Like the one in Toya is kind of like in the middle of uh, the small Machida, their small, small town. So it's like everybody's kind of walking by this area. Um, you know, if it was like a setting like that where I grew up, just because uh, there's money right there and it's like a naughty thing to do, like some kid's just going to take <laughs> yeah. it, you know, right. Not even if they don't need the money. It's just like who 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 is going to, you know, leave this money out and not expect somebody to take it. It's yeah. basically what everybody's yeah. thinking, you know, so... And, but I think I think Toy doesn't have that problem because there's not really young people living there. Is there yeah, that, that might be it, actually. Yeah. It's kind of this town that was uh, really built up during the bubble era. So a lot of those people there now are yeah into their late 70s and stuff. Yeah, and it's just, you know, summer houses, the, the holiday home, uh, the lake house that, that people go to in the weekends. Uh, and- yeah. It might also be because, you know, it is still kind of pandemic conditions, so there's not nearly as many tourists as there would be coming through there and stuff. Although it was, it is a really busy season now comparatively uh, for the other years of the pandemic and stuff. There were a lot of people out, um, more so than usual at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, Japanese tourists, right, coming from all over the country. I've Mm. seen them a lot when I'm just like walking through the station on the subway, a lot of people carrying suitcases. Um, so I think, yeah, more, you know, more people uh, are interested in uh, domestic travel rather than going internationally because, you know, frankly, for, for Japanese people, it, it's kind of the only option at the moment. Well, not the only option, but one of the few options to travel is to just travel within the country because it's a pain in the ass if you want to get back into Japan. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get that negative PCR test. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think a lot of people are looking forward to being able to come back and visit Japan. I'm sure they are. And I was actually kind of thinking about it because, like, you know, this past weekend was just pretty amazing. Like, I was at this uh, fireworks festival, and I was just kind of standing there uh, after my daughter had calmed down. (laughs) I was standing there. There's, like, all these people in Yukata and stuff in the middle of summer. And I was like, man, I can't believe, like, I'm here in Japan, like, you know, living this life. And then had a good weekend uh, out in Toya again. I was like, man, I'm just spoiled living here. And, uh, so I really had one of those moments where it just kind of hit me again, how lucky I am to be in Japan and everything. And, uh, then I was thinking though, like a lot of people listen to this podcast probably, and the people who haven't been here, uh, to visit or maybe want to move here someday. And they're like, man, those guys are so lucky. They've been there, you know, living in Japan, just kind of living the dream. And they're right. We are lucky. But uh, on the flip side of that, what I kind of realize is I'm really jealous of all those people, too, because we'll never get that uh, opportunity to have those first two years of living in Japan, which is, you know, that honeymoon period. And let's admit it, like the uh, first two years of your life in Japan is probably the best two years you're going to have here just because everything is so new. And, uh, yeah, you're just like blown away by everything everything is novel and everything's a new experience and plus it's like japan you know and uh we're never going to be able to have that again so it was like a really uh felt really lucky for a little bit and then uh felt really <laughs> depressed after that i was like man Un- unless you uh can somehow wipe your memory or not wipe get your amnesia. memory <laughs> yeah get amnesia knock yourself out or something and uh, head injury yeah. <laughs> get, get into a car accident <laughs> forget my uh, wife and kids <laughs> just for just for a couple of years you know yeah <laughs> well i mean the only, then i was thinking i mean the only way we'd be able to do that is maybe just have to move to korea someday because uh, <laughs> that might be like a similar 
you know, it's not Japan, but it's still a great country and everything, and yeah. you can have that whole new newbie experience all over again. So right, I don't know. If right. Point being, I guess, if anybody is listening and is always like, man, I'm jealous of those guys, I get to live there and stuff. You know, you guys are actually the ones that are in good position because you get to come here and have that first two years all all again and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. But that's probably the same with, you know, everyone when they they uh they go somewhere they move to a new place the you know once you get over that honeymoon period it almost becomes like the place where you're at before so you know it's probably a good thing to to know that you will eventually get over the you know how amazing everything is <laughs> don't, don't want to sound negative or anything i'm you just will. being real just being real <laughs> You will, yeah. but if you're like us and you're in Hokkaido, you'll still get blown away every now and then about how yes. great life is here. So, and I, th- I think the pandemic kind of helped that as well. Like you know, because the fireworks got cancelled for yeah, what two, two, three years. Yeah. Beer garden, you know, and then it all comes back again, mm-hmm. and it is like experience it for the first time again. Yeah, uh, and everything's slightly different. You know, like the beer gardens with all these new rules and stuff. Um, it's not the same as it was before, but it's it's still just as good, but just with a little kind of, you know, little quirks and little, little changes here and there. And uh, and I'm sure it's uh, it's it's going to be good for everyone anyway, even if it is your, especially if it's your first time to, uh, to experience those things. Yeah, that must have been what it was, is that I just hadn't been to a fireworks festival in so long. I hadn't seen so many people out and enjoying the summer like that in such a long time couple of years or whatever so. yeah i think i think it's definitely important to try and find like new new things to do and new experiences um in hokkaido we actually went to uh this lavender place in banke have you heard? i can't remember the name of it but it's like really high up yeah um, near mariama it's just like a massive lavender field with a huge view of sapporo city one of the best views of of the city in in sapporo um, and I'd never been there before. It was like the first time me and my wife ever went there. And it just came up on like her newsfeed randomly. And because like the weekend was such nice weather, we thought, oh, we'll go for a drive, check out this place. And yeah, and it was, it was like something that we has been there the whole time that we never kn- knew about. So you can always find, you know, new things around. If, uh, if you just like Google stuff, I don't know, stuff just comes up on Google anyway, right, randomly. Yeah, I had I didn't go to that place actually till I I think the first time I went there was with my wife and uh, yeah I didn't meet her until you know six years ago so yeah I hadn't been there either or seven years ago I should say now <laughs> I can't forget that um, but yeah and uh, to me to be honest like yeah I've started following a lot of uh, different people who uh, social media people who are in Hokkaido and just seeing new stuff all the time so. Yeah, I guess I don't need to be too depressed because there's still a lot of first experiences that I can still have here. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and new you know restaurants and bars keep popping up all the time. So yeah, like uh, the this weekend where we're trying to check out this new bar. It's called uh, the Bear Bar, not the Barefoot Bar, but it's called the Bear Bar, hmm. um, which is like kind of in Suskino somewhere. Um, it's, and it's kind of like a outdoor terrace nature kind of style bar that uh, that come up on my my wife's facebook feed so yeah so stuff like that's coming up all the time and i've noticed recently a lot of places of uh using bear in their name recently 
Hmm. I wonder if they're copying the barefoot bar or something. Could be. Mm. Could be. I mean, Hokkaido is a land of a lot of bears, but... It is. It is. But a barefoot definitely set the trend for uh, the drinking establishments here in the city. Mm. Anyways, uh, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of the, the interesting ones on this list. There are there are more, um, especially in like the food. There was like Taiwanese food, which had become uh, quite uh, popular and trendy. Korean foods, obviously. Uh, what else was there on this list? Hot pot trends. Uh, there was cube bread, mm. uh, Italian sweets. Uh, fruit sandwiches, which I think has been trendy for quite a while. Mm. Um, cream soda, yeah, sweet potato, or huggy. What's or huggy? A Japanese traditional Japanese sweet made by pounding a mix of steamed white rice and mochi rice. So yeah, that canned sweets, as Burke mentioned, mm. um, and uh, and plenty of other stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we covered. The ones that we thought we uh, we'd encountered at least, um, mm. and were quite interesting to us. So hopefully you found those interesting as well. And if you are visiting Japan, that you get a chance to uh, to experience these. And if you do, maybe share them with us on uh, on social media. Social media. What do we have? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you send us an email. Send us your photos. Um, yeah, and join in on the conversation. Please do. Like to hear from people. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode, everyone, always remember to uh, you can always leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That re- would really help us out. Apparently, it helps uh, potential listeners know that we exist. Uh, so yeah, that would be the best way to to support us. And next time. Hopefully Matt will come back alive to Sapporo and he will be joining us again. He might be back already. <laughs> you don't know yet. <laughs> hopefully hopefully the weather stays good enough for him to enjoy his uh, solo adventure that he's out there. I'm not sure yeah. exactly what he's doing, but yeah. Right, yeah, maybe we should find out. <laughs> yeah. See we'll if he's see. okay. Hear about it soon, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time. お疲れ様です。This episode was brought to you by Barefoot Bar, located downtown Sapporo, walking distance from the subway station. There are a variety of Japanese-made craft bottled beers. Also a wide range of regular and some very unique spirits and basic cocktails also available. Burgers and pub style snacks with friendly English and Japanese speaking staff. Check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash barefootbar. And that's the, the animal, B-E-A-R, foot bar.